The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey, friends, and welcome back to Afternoons with Mike here on the Shepherd Radio Network. It's always a fun day for me when I get Alex McFarlane on the phone, and he is with me today. Alex is a youth, religion, and culture expert. He's the author of more than, get this, 20 books and is heard daily on 200-plus radio stations throughout the American Family Radio Network. And he speaks all over the place on college campuses. Alex McFarland, it is a joy to have you with me. Well, it's a great honor to be on with you. Thank you for having me. Now, I understand that you're going to be in my neck of the woods here in Central Florida next month. I am. I'm very, very much looking forward to that. I'm I'm going to be there in Florida February 9 through 11. and. Uh, I hope a lot of people will come out to our, our conference. And it's called the Stand Firm event. And tell us a little bit about what this is uh, all about and what kind of themes people can expect. Well, uh, the website is standfirmconference.com. Uh, and, you know, we're living in a time, brother, that I, I truly think that we're in a crisis of truth. We're in a crisis of identity, and we're in a crisis about our future. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, truth is, is what, what's real and, and reality. And then identity, who am I? What is my purpose in life? That relates to what we think is true and real and moral and the, the priorities of life. And not only is our nation really at a crossroads, but individuals are at a crossroads. And, you know, maybe even somebody listening to this broadcast right now, you, you've wondered, you know, what, what is life even about? Why am I here? I, I'm a Christian. Uh, I was 21 when I was in college. I, I became a believer in Jesus Christ. Never dreamed I would someday be in the ministry and pastor and write and do, do what I do. But let me say, as, as a young believer at 21 years old, I heard that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, rose from the dead, and that by putting my faith in the Lord, I could be forgiven. And the Bible calls it being born again, born from above. And my life began with Jesus at age 21. But here's the beautiful thing, and it, it relates to these crises, truth, meaning, purpose. What I've learned over 30 years of research and writing and teaching, traveling, all around the world, traveling to the Holy Land, 72 sites I have personally visited in Israel and the Holy Land, that Christianity is real, the Bible is real, Jesus is real. And what we're going to talk about at the STAND conference is how personally, and it doesn't matter what your age is, it doesn't matter, you know, your, your journey, you know, Maybe you've been to the School of Hard Knocks, but at the Stand Firm Conference, we're going to talk about the fact that God God will welcome us and receive us where we are in our journey. And if we turn our life over to Christ and we begin to build our life on truth, not opinion, not bias or blindness, but build our life on God's revealed truth, then blessing and and joy and 10,000 good things come about. But I, I really think the future of our country and the future of many lives is at a crossroads, and we want people to know truth and stand on truth. And we'll talk about these things. No doubt in the just a few weeks till I'm in Orlando, th- there'll be things in the news. I I do two radio shows, and I write for a couple of newswire services. And So there'll be a lot to talk about, I assure you. Oh, I'm sure. And I'm hoping that during that time, we can carve out a little bit of uh, opportunity for you to come up to our studios. I'd love to have you for a face-to-face here and uh, just really to have maybe even some guests from the conference can come along as well. 
but it is going to be in Orlando. It's called yes. Stand Firm Conference, and Alex will be there along with uh, a lot of other information. Now, Alex, you said something a moment ago I wanted to come back to, and it had to do with your own personal conversion. And you mentioned that it happened to you. You heard the the powerful truth of Jesus when you were a college kid. Now, you know, that is becoming more and more rare in this day and age uh, on a lot of college campuses because they've done such an amazing job of scrubbing almost any truth or any history about Jesus out of their campus material, off of their campus event schedules. Uh, it's it's tough for a lot of young people out there, isn't it? Well, it really is. It, it really is, and that's very unfortunate. Um, one of the things that I'm going to be teaching about is a, a biblical response to critical theory. Now, CRT, critical theory, has, uh, with, with shocking speed, influenced, and I would say infected, how we think and how classes are held. You, you know, when you and I were in school, and, and really for, you know, 250 years of American history, education was about learning truth. Right. You know, you go, you go to school and you learn previously unknown things that you didn't know. Um, there's There's truth and there's knowledge and the acquisition of of facts. But we're living in a world where people really don't believe that truth exists. Truth is what I feel. Truth is what I make for myself. And critical theory basically says that there are two kinds of people in the world, the oppressed and the oppressor. And even last week, you know, even though volumes of research say that the best context for a child to grow up is a mother, father, two-parent family. A traditional heterosexual monogamous, a mom and a dad. And yet last week there was a woke leader. I was watching a news show. They were talking about why, you know, American public education is in such a sad shape. And um, some kids graduate high school, some kids don't. Some kids um, have core competencies, some don't. And this, this particular sociologist that obviously was I- influenced by critical theory said, well, some kids have privilege. And the, the worst privilege of all that gives kids an unfair advantage is two-parent privilege. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just not fair that some kids have a mother and a father. And I'm, I'm thinking, my goodness, for 6,000 years of human history, the the bedrock of civilization is mom and dad and home. And now because and, – and by the way, what I'm getting to is your question about how things have changed. Critical theory says if, if you've accomplished anything, it's because you had privilege. Yeah, and yeah. if you are um, needy and don't have the things in life that you want – it's because you're a victim. Mm-hmm. And and this idea of villain and victim, that's not truth. That's not reality. And I would say the last little oasis of truth in, in a world that has largely chosen darkness, it's the church. Now, to people hearing this that, you know, maybe you're not a believer, uh, obviously our message is Jesus is real put your faith in Christ. But to those that are Christians, and especially to pastors, and I know because I've pastored two churches and I've spoken in more than 2,000 churches, but the church must be this voice of reality, uh, of truth, of of morals, uh, yes, of salvation. And so we're in a world, the, 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 the on-campus Bible study where I found the Lord, it probably wouldn't even be legal today mm-hmm. because I, I was with people that told me uh, that God loved me, but I was a sinner and I needed to turn my life over to Christ and sin would destroy me, but God had a plan of salvation. And that message is is just, 
too controversial for some localities nowadays. And it's crazy to, to think how, how that's so true. But, you know, when you take this thing about truth, and that is a great illustration, truth is, is what is true. I mean, how can you define? It's one of those words that you almost have to use it to define it. And it is so crazy. And it really does make then rational sense that if you make everyone's ideas that's in their own mind, if that becomes what is truth, then that can certainly lead to these crazy uh, places of belief that we are uh, we are now seeing, I don't know how many umpteen genders there are now, according to the latest wow. count. Because if somebody yeah. feels something, if they feel that today they identify as a woman and they're a biological man, well, then that's their truth, according to that way of thinking. And that is a never-ending swirl of a downward spiral in my mind. Well, transgenderism is one of many attempts where we can be our own God. Yeah. I mean, I mean you That's think right. about this. It's, it's one thing to say, you know, God can't tell me how to live. Uh, the Bible says, you know, adultery is a sin. No, I, I'll behave how I want to behave. But the LGBTQ trans agenda is basically saying God can't even define what I am. Yeah. Uh, I will define what I am. There's one website, uh, there's several, uh, not to mention social media platforms, that uh, say there are 81 genders, and that that's false. Last week, just uh, about five days ago, I was on a radio show with a molecular geneticist from Ohio State, um, brilliant lady, earned her PhD in molecular ge- genetics, and I asked this person on this interview, I said, what is your view of transgenderism? She said, it's nonsense. Wow, good for her. Yeah, she said, uh, and we were talking about, you know, male XY chromosome, male. She said, no Y, no guy. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to laugh, but that, it's really true. Now, we're, we're just delusional. And l- let me say, I want to be very clear about America. I love this nation. One of the classes I teach, I, I've spoken at more than 200 American universities, I've taught at places like Liberty University and many other schools, North Greenville. I've spoken at you know, Biola, West Texas A&M, Florida State, um, UNC Chapel Hill, NC State, San Diego State. It's been my joy to speak at a lot of schools. University of Canada, Toronto. I've been in a few campuses. Yep, just but a I few. <laughs> I teach constitutional history, the the philosophical foundations of the U.S. Constitution. And one of the most important subjects that, like, nobody talks about is the fact that our nation was based on what is called natural law. Now, natural law says, look, there are some objective realities. There's just undeniable truth. and Everybody knows these things in our heart. There are men and there are women. There is right and there's wrong. Now, what's a beautiful thing is, if you read some of our great founders from Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Paine, George Washington, James Madison, Benjamin Franklin, Benjamin Rush, John Witherspoon, Patrick Henry, these were brilliant people. And they said, look, you know, we've got the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, 1 through 17. Don't murder, don't steal, don't lie, don't bear false witness, don't adulterate. But even apart from the Ten Commandments, we've got we, we know this on our heart. Now now we don't always do what's right, but deep inside we know what's right. All right. So when Jefferson wrote in the Declaration, we hold these truths to be self evident. Now the term self-evident truth is a, is a reference to natural law or moral absolutes. Anyway, here's my point. Gay, lesbian, transgender, if you, if you want to do gay things, go for it. You can do it. If you want to be a male and put on a dress and think you're a woman, you can do that. That's your prerogative. But what we can't do, 
or we, we shouldn't do is tear down the foundation that has made us stable, orderly, prosperous. And, and here's, the, here's the rub. Somebody's an atheist, and it, it galls them to see a church where Christians interact with God. Yeah, that's right. So if, if, if you're determined to reject God and go into eternity unprepared, hey, you're free to do that. You, you, can, if, you can die and go to hell if that's what you want to do with your soul. But you have no right, Mr. Atheist, to make Christianity illegal for the rest of the world. And part of the genius of America and our Declaration, Constitution, Bill of Rights is, and, and by the way, in two centuries, America has given the world literacy, medicine, technological achievements, economic prosperity. It was a natural law worldview that did this, that mm -hmm. uh, we're accountable. And now, now think about this. The good news is you can be anything you want to be, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. The good news is, you, you know, if your father was a carpenter, you can do something else if you'd rather. Uh, you can be born into poverty, but you can grow up into wealth. The good news is you can be whatever you want to be. The bad news is, although I don't think it's bad news, you're going to have to work and live within your means. And you're going to have to be industrious, and you're going to have to engage in deferred gratification. Uh, you don't, you know, borrow your way to prosperity. You live within your means, and you engage in self-restraint. And let me say this, and I'll throw it back to you, but the beauty of our Judeo-Christian natural law republic was that in hard work and self-discipline and moral living, it built character. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the sin nature was subdued, and we, we moved from colonists to greatness. And it was a moral culture that did that, and there are people that want that torn down and eradicated, and we simply can't let that happen. I agree completely. And, you know, these people, those early founders that did all of that, that fought that battle, and they stood up for this thing of freedom and truth and uh, the whole thing of uh, just being able to worship God in the truth, they were willing to die for what they believed in. And many of them did. And that's something that we've just not, we cannot lose sight of the fact that this country, with all of its uh, great power and resources, it was really, like you said, it was built on a Judeo-Christian ethic that is so important that we maintain that. And we just got to somehow continue this battle and that's what you're doing and it is a battle you're out there every day and you're having to face situations that i don't think you should have to be facing but that is our lot in life right now i'll be back with alex in a moment alex mcfarland my guest on afternoons with mike we'll be right back if you're a Christian business person and you want to meet people who want to do business with you, you need to join the Central Florida Christian Chamber of Commerce. Why? Because the mission of the Christian Chamber is to build kingdom, business, and community. And it all starts with the Christian principle of building relationships. To learn more about the Christian Chamber and all the different ways you can get engaged with hundreds of other Central Florida Christian business people, visit cfchristianchamber.com or call 407-258-3570. Back with me today is Alex McFarland, one of my favorite guests. You travel around. I can't imagine your travel schedule. But you know, in, in the last segment, Alex, we were talking about truth. People are saying, my truth is what's important to me. You know, Alex, I was thinking if I walked within just a, a block away from me is a, a really nice BMW dealership. And if I went in there and I said, hey, man, I identified today as a millionaire and I want uh, I want uh, on that basis, I want to get a, a new BMW. Those people would throw me out on my ear. But you know what? People are walking in 
to church buildings, they're walking into colleges, they're walking into department stores, and they're basically saying something just as foolish. I'm identifying today as something that I'm not, uh, biologically mm-hmm. speaking. And yet we are supposed to say, oh, well, that's understandable. That's right. And sure, if you're a, a biological male, no trouble at all going into the, the ladies' bathroom. I mean, that's the ludicrous nature, is it not? We can't do it in some areas, but yet we're expected to capitulate and roll over and play dead while all of this is going on. Yeah, well, it's another attempt by the part of fallen humans to be their own god. I mean, look, uh, we have to admit there are some things over which we have no control. I have no control over where I was born. That's right. I have no control over when I was born. Or to whose um, parents. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I uh, I was born in 1964, so I'm 59 right now. But I can't say, you know, um, I identify as a Gen Zer. You know, I, I was, you know, born just a few years ago. No, uh, there are some things, and we, we have no control over our gender. So many of our physical characteristics, height, eye color, you know, the amount of melanin in our skin, uh, the good Lord, you know, chose these things. There's a verse I love in the Bible, Genesis, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Psalm 16, 6, mm-hmm. says, the boundary lines have fallen unto me in pleasant places. I love that verse, yeah. yeah. Yay, I have a godly heritage. Okay, the boundary lines of our life, people might ask, you know, why, why is my life the way it is? Well, C.S. Lewis said this, and Lewis is a brilliant, brilliant Christian thinker, and he he uh, died in 1963, incidentally, on the same day that JFK was shot, uh, C.S. Lewis died. But L- Lewis said this, that God does everything possible. God, God orchestrates the details of our life to make it most conducive for you to hear about Christ and have an opportunity to be born again. The, the one thing God doesn't do, God does not override your free will said Lewis. Mm-hmm. You know, God will offer salvation. He won't force it, but he'll offer. But things like um, where I was born, the fact that I'm a genetic male, um, I was born in the South in the 60s, grew up on a farm. Look, maybe when we get to heaven, we'll learn the answer to some of the why. Why did my parents go bankrupt? Why did we almost get thrown out of our house as a teenager? You know, why? Well, I don't know, but I know this. Um, in their early 60s, my mother and dad committed their life to Christ by watching Charles Stanley. And I saw an immediate change in their life. Now, our money problems didn't evaporate overnight. In fact, till the day he died, my dad was struggling with, you know, bankruptcy and, uh, you know, um, the uh, vicissitudes and challenges that come with being a small, poor, rural farmer in North Carolina. But here's the thing. Um, My mom and dad uh, came to the Lord, and I saw that it was very real. That had an influence on me coming to Christ several years later. But what I would say about transgenderism, um, you know, the wisest thing that we can do is not to fight reality and not to invest ourselves in what philosophers would call counterfactuals. No, to admit reality and to humbly say to God Almighty, Lord, I need you. God, help me. Now, a couple of years ago, and I want to give an illustration, just like you said, you can't, can't go into the car dealer and say, you know, I identify as a millionaire. And, and this is a bad check, but let's identify that it's enough to buy that car. You know, we can't do <laughs> right. that. It's crazy. We can't live in unreality like that. So I was speaking about four years ago at the University of Kentucky Medical School in Louisville. And I was in front of several hundred med students. And um, there, it was uh, Sanctity of Human Life. Um, there, was, there was a panel discussion on what does it mean to be a human being. And it didn't take me long to uh, run afoul of some of the med students that were pretty woke, and the subject of transgenderism came up. 
These were students, you know, going to become doctors. And I explained, I said, well, natural law, you know, uh, male and female. In fact, in early America, there were states that had laws against crimes against nature. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were what were called the anti-sodomy laws because there was a natural law. That's right. Uh, men, men were made to be with women. Now, what I'm about to say, I'm not trying to be scatological or sensationalistic, but I was talking to med students, and I said, okay, so it, you say a trans woman. Now, what that means, that's a genetic male that tries to yeah. identify as a female. Yeah. And there, there are states right now, like Michigan has a law. Um, it's passed the House, it's on the governor's desk, that it could be a felony if you misgender. So there's a male who wants to be a female, and if you say sir or mister, you could be charged with a felony. And so what's dangerous about this is, you know, we have rights of free speech, but we've never had coerced, compelled speech. So if I know I'm a minister, my wife is a nurse, somebody you you clearly see this is a a female, but she wants you to address her as a male, Uh, you could face litigation if you went with truth. Now, here's the thing. I ask these med students, and I've, I've dialogued with many people. So when somebody identifies, does that really mean that they are objectively, ontologically that gender? And I've had doctors and activists say, yes. I'm like, really? So the male identifies as female, and and literally he's a female. So if – and I said, why are you insistent that the rest of the public go along with that, I would say, delusion? Yeah, right. And he said, well, because if you a cisgender – C-I-S is the Latin word same – so you're you're a genetic male and you identify as such. You're one of these unenlightened ones that believe in binary, male and female. But if you insist on your binary worldview, it makes the transgender person feel uncomfortable. Well, let me just say there's no constitutional protection uh, against never feeling uncomfortable. That's right. That's right. Now, now hang with me and and. So I've I've talked with medical professionals who insist that transgenderism creates a literal change in the human physiology of the the person. I said, well, look, let's say you're in traffic and you need to go to the bathroom really badly, uh, but you're stuck in a traffic jam. Uh, this has happened to all of us, probably. <laughs> right. And so you feel very uncomfortable. Why don't you, till the traffic jam clears up, identify as a non-urinator? Um, if if I, by mere identification, can change my human body. Uh, I went to work one day, seriously. I was in a rush. I took a shower, but I forgot to put on antiperspirant. It's middle of the day, and I'm thinking, oh, no. I've got body odor because I forgot to use deodorant. Now, why didn't I merely identify as a non-endocrine person who doesn't perspire? And this doctor said, you're crazy. I said, no, I'm not. I'm trying to be consistent. But you and I know I can't shut off my sweat glands by identifying it. I can't. But here's the thing. If you can change your body, why can't you change your kidneys or colon? Yeah. You know, you, you, and, and I'm not trying to be inflammatory, but the point is this, we know we can't. Because look, if I could change my human physiology by identifying as such, you know, I would turn myself into George Clooney. And rather than being <laughs> five foot seven, I'd be six foot two. But the thing is, you know what? We can't do that. I can't do that. But what I can do, what I can do is say, you know, God, you made me, and you are the Lord, and I don't understand it all, 
but Lord, show me your plan for my life and help me and bless me. And Lord, if you will lead, I will follow. And I want to tell you, brother, I have gone from a poor redneck in 1996, I had $58 and the shirt on my back. Mm-hmm. But I had Christ as my Savior. Yeah. And got married, been to five of the seven continents. And um, God, I'll, I'll be the, look, I'll be the first to tell you that everything I have going on is due to the goodness of the Lord Jesus. But the problems began to end. And the the prosperity began to happen when I handed the reins of my life over to Christ, and I stopped trying to fight reality. And I said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Absolutely. Yeah. It would be just as crazy to, to be very thirsty and have someone pour you a glass of, of uh, rich dirt and said, here yeah. is something for you to drink. Hey, that's not going to help you. It's not going to take the thirst away. It's going to choke you out every time. And that is the nonsensical thing. Yet these same people, when it's convenient, will tell us to follow the science. Well, well said. You know, we hear that mantra endlessly, follow the science. Well, just like my Ohio State molecular geneticist yeah. last week said, and, and I mean, volumes of research. Uh, Volumes of not only biologists, geneticists, medical professionals, mental health professionals. Look, the LGBTQ trans world has come about because of the breakdown of the family and our loss of morality. Kids need to develop an accurate, true sense of self. You know, we need to be raised in in a traditional two-parent heterosexual, monogamous, mother-father home. That's why I want to challenge churches, and especially pastors. Pastors must preach on these hard topics. And I know it's not easy, but if you preach through the Word of God, I mean, preach First and Second Corinthians. You'll come to these issues. Yep. Preach the book of Genesis. You'll deal that, you know, God is the creator of all things. God is the creator of gender. And so the the church— I really think um, Bible-believing Christians, and you know, research says that some 63% of American adults are Christian, you know, whether it be, you know, Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox. There, there are 63% of American adults that still have a biblical worldview, and that remnant of truth believers. We're we're going to be the enclave, the oasis of reality, as the world delves farther and farther into delusion. We've got just a couple of minutes left. I'm going to go back to uh, the upcoming conference. It's going to be held February 9th through the 11th, and you can get all the detail, information, all of that by going to the this website. It's standfirmconf c o n f for conference dot com. Stand firm, C-O-N-F for conference.com. And Alex, just before you go, I know you had a letter and we've got just a couple of minutes left, a letter that had to do with some after school Satan's clubs. Now, boy, uh, that, this will be something that we'll have to pick up the next time you're with me, but uh, people are writing you and this has got to be interesting to see what your mailbox brings you. That had to be pretty crazy, right? Well, yeah, you know, it's funny. Right before Christmas, I got a postcard that was all drawn in uh, black Sharpie with this, like, raven and a pentagram. And and it said, you know, I'm a Satanist, and um, you're, you're delusional. There is no God. There is no Jesus. Darkness is rising. Satan is rising. And uh, we are coming for your kids. Uh, six, oh, wow. Six, six. Then I got a letter last week. And it was a follow-up letter. Interesting. Now, uh, the guy writes, he says, uh, you know, hey, um, I'm writing from the fires of hell, and this is where you're headed, and you're a deceiver, and, you know, on and on, and America will delve into darkness. 
Satan, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's interesting to me. Um, first of all, I didn't know the mail route ran through hell, but apparently you could send a letter <laughs> from there. Uh, and it, it was on paper that didn't burn up, didn't even smell like smoke. So, yeah, right. you know, if you think you're in the fires of hell and you're, you know, writing letters and putting a stamp on it, um, uh, don't don't call me delusional. But at any rate, no, I'm glad. Listen, I'm I'm honored that people like this listen to me on the radio. And, you know, um, but but I will say to everybody listening, um, we're in a battle of spiritual forces. Mm-hmm. There's truth. There's error. There's God. There are, you know, angels, the Holy Spirit drawing people to Christ. But there are Satan. There is a Satan and there are demons. And it, it's the question. It's not do you have some ultimate commitments in your life? The question is, have you committed yourself to the things that are true? Yeah. And, you know, this poor Satanist, um, the the fact that he would write to a preacher tells me there might be a, a little thimbleful of hope left in his heart. So he didn't give a return address. And I've said to him, I've said on many radio shows, look, call me. I, I, wherever you are in the country, I will fly out to meet you. I'll buy you lunch. Let's meet. Let's get acquainted. Wow. So, so I want to say to the people listening, come to the Stand Strong, Con- Stand Firm Conference. I'm sorry, Stand Firm, C-O-N-F, StandFirmConf.com. Um, if you're a Christian, you care about America, you'll be encouraged, you'll be equipped. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you think we, we Christians are the problem. You know, December 2nd, 2023, James Carville was on the Bill Maher Show, and James Carville, the Democrat strategist, Said, and I quote, Christians are a bigger threat to America than Al Qaeda. Wow. Yeah, that's nuts. That's not even rational. Oh, my but goodness. Yeah. If you believe that, come very respectfully, very factually, very kindly. I'd love to hear your side. I'd love for you to consider the things that we Christians stand for. But let's have a healthy dialogue. And let's together pursue truth. Alex McFarland, I'm out of time. It's been great. I know you've got to run as well. So we'll see you in February. I can't wait to hear more about this. And we'll be talking prior to the conference as well, my friend. All right, I'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Join host Mike Gilland for The Shepherd at Work every Saturday morning at 10.05 a.m. You will be introduced to a marketplace leader that will help you learn to walk out your faith wherever you live and work. The Shepherd at Work is sponsored by the Central Florida Christian Chamber, building kingdom, business, and community throughout our area. That's The Shepherd at Work, this Saturday morning at 10.05 a.m. Back again now for our segment three. This is an important year. We've been hearing that in one way or another all week long with the Iowa caucuses having been this past Monday. And now we've got opportunities galore ahead. And a lot of people are are just confused as to what to do about where to go. How do you find out information about candidates? And there is a great site called ivoterguide.com. And it's part of the American Family Association, the AFA. And with me on the line right now to talk about that is Debbie Wuthnow. Welcome, Debbie. Glad to be here, Mike. You know, this is going to be a a, a topsy-turvy year, right? I mean, this has got to be something that your website is going to become uh, like a major thoroughfare for people wanting to find out more. What is uh, behind all of this? What was the uh, inspiration to put this site down? Well, we, uh, we actually point to a quote from Bill Federer, who you may know, who said once that the most important thing we can do is to lead people to Christ, but the mo- second most important thing is to preserve the freedom to do the most important thing. And those people wow. that we elect have a lot of control over uh, Americans, but yet we're the ones who are supposed to ch- be electing them and choosing them. But too many uh, of us, and I'm speaking for myself, don't know enough information about the people that we're electing. So a lot of people will stay home because they don't know information about the candidates. So iVoterGuide steps into that void with the goal to equip especially faith-based voters 
to be good stewards of that responsibility that we have to choose those who are going to elect us, not just at president, but in Congress, the people that go to D.C., those who serve in our state legislatures and even our city council and school boards. So we, we seek to help uh, voters identify those candidates that share their values, who think like they think, and that will represent what's important to them once they get into office. Now, you bring up a really important thing about education and not just education, but involvement. I mean, you know, I heard a word today that uh, I loved it. It was a devotion by a man here in Central Florida named George Cope, and he had this great uh, teaching in a devotional about the word remember in the Hebrew, which means to take action. So when the when Joseph was in the prison and he said to the you know, the baker and the, and the butler, <laughs> remember me, it wasn't just like, hey, don't ever forget me. It was like, take action. When you get out, speak a good word for me. Yet, as important as it is to take action, sadly, so many in the evangelical movement, the churches of America, they don't vote. So it is important for us to get the word out. How, how do you guys get that message to the evangelicals of America? Well, we do that through uh, partnering with, with like-minded groups and by just talking to people like you to let um, voters know that we are a resource to equip them to be salt and light. Really, we're sp- It's not just uh, remember, but take action. And, and as we're called to be light, light shines and it moves, and that's what we need to do. So we work with groups like American Family Association, which we are now a part of. We um, we are the voter guide for over 60 uh, Christian groups, uh, faith-based groups. Sometimes they're pastor groups. Sometimes they're political groups. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're just, um, you know, activists who, who want to encourage people to get involved. And iVoterGuide equips voters to have the, the confidence and the knowledge to go into the ballot box um, and do, to, to do it wisely. And it is something that um, we can't just bury our heads in the sand. We need to be um, participating um, in this government that, that really God defined and created. Um, and that's why I Voter Guide exists, to help us to do that and encourage us that it really makes a difference. Uh, and we do make a difference. When you equip people to identify those um, conservative, those Christian uh, candidates that are in office, we, we can make a difference. Vote, uh, there are races that swing on just the number of votes that would attend a church, if we would just equip those those church members um, with the information they need to do to, to make, a, make a difference. Do you get a lot of pushback from candidates when you're doing the research and trying to find out where they are? Do you get cooperation or do you sometimes get resistance? It's really a mixed bag. Um, we get, we work closely, with, well, we try to do everything we can to get candidates to answer our questionnaire. Um, that requires us to interact with them. We find that the um, we get about eh, 50% of Republicans who will answer our questionnaire, um, but not even all Republicans will answer the, the questionnaire. Uh, the Democrats will see the organizations we're affiliated with and the issues we stand on, and frequently they don't they don't participate. Um, there are one of the things that I Voter Guide does in addition to just researching candidates and getting them to answer our questionnaire is we look at their actions and their data. Uh, so we have their campaign finance data, we have scorecards, we have endorsements in addition to the survey, and then we have a rating. And before any of that data gets published or the rating gets um, available to the public, we let the candidates see it. And sometimes they push back on that. They may not like the rating that they've been assigned, um, but we let them see all the data that we have to verify that it's accurate, that we use to base our rating on. And if enough, a voter guide goes to ivoterguide.com, you enter your address, you'll see your ballot, but you can also see all the data that we have. You just click the more button of the candidate's photo. So we try to be truth. We seek truth. Uh, we try to be transparent in the information that we provide. And, you know, candidates don't always like that. So that's the kind of pushback we get. Now, I know you're not endorsing people, but you're just putting information out there about their voting records and maybe their own statements. A lot of that is out there in public uh, just for the public to grab if they do the research, right? Oh, exactly. Every every piece of data that we have on our voter guide is publicly available data. Sometimes you have to, uh, to download it and, and process it. So we have campaign finance data from the source from the Federal Election Commission, from over 40 states. We get their 
their raw database to process where we get the who's given them money and who they've accepted money from. Um, and we, we point the voters, voters back to that source uh, to verify that, it, that it's really accurate. But, uh, yeah, it's all public, and we, uh, we, do, we do that digging for who's endorsed the candidates. We actually then have a vo- an army, I would call it, of volunteer panelists who are um, – we vet them, we train them, and they're the ones that are reading the candidates' website, uh, reading their, their ex-tweets, their tweets, their social media posts, trying and trying to glean from there uh, what their values are, uh, what's important to them. Did they march at a pride parade or did they go to the March for Life? You know, little things that um, that actions that give us insight into what their positions, their beliefs, their policies will be. Well, there, I'm sure, would be no doubt the kind of resistance that people on the progressive left side in, in a site where they're, you're talking about their thoughts, their actions, uh, their statements, all of that being a kind of assimilated in one spot, I'm sure there are a lot of people that would kind of not want that to happen. And that might be why you don't hear from some of those people, right? It could well be, yes. Uh, yeah, they don't like what we're saying or they see who we're affiliated with and they don't participate. But that doesn't stop us from finding the data because it is publicly available and exposing it so that voters can really see the truth Because uh, you may have heard candidates will sometimes say one thing and do something different. So that's why we do that research to to give the voters the truth based on their actions. And we don't tell you who to vote for. Uh, It's not an endorsement list at iVoterGuide.com. We're really just looking for the truth and the information and giving you the information so that you can decide for yourself the candidate that will best represent you. Now, you just said something there that is a really unique thing, and I think a big distinctive. It's not that you're having a list. iVoterGuide is not an endorsement page saying that if you want to do what's right, do this, this, this. It's not that, but it is an opportunity for people to use their own convictions and their own thoughts, but they can form those things by going to your website. Is that right? That is exactly correct. We have aggregated all the political intelligence we can find on the candidates that are on their ballot that we cover. And there will be about 13,000 of them this year. So we don't cover all the local races, but we do cover the vast majority of the state legislative races and statewide races. And we do cover some local races. But you just we've made it easier for you by gathering the research into one place so that you can go see it. And if that is especially important in the party primary elections, which are just now beginning. And we've had that first presidential caucus. But Super Tuesday will have six states that have their statewide and state legislative races on the ballot. I Voter Guide is covering five of those six states. So you can go and see the information on who's running for auditor or state senator or state representative. Because too frequently people don't vote in the primary. Average turnout's only 20%. I know. I the reason is they don't know who to vote for. So yeah. we make that easier. I, I just can't imagine that. And, you know, a lot of these big elections that have really kind of turned America's direction, uh, the way it's gone and our economy suffering so much right now, would have been completely different had people who were registered to vote actually voted. So that would have been yeah. a big deal. It's huge. It's a huge deal. And there are so many races that turn on just a few votes that every voter is important. And yeah. uh, you, But you need to be prepared. And that's why a voter guide is there. So do you cover things like judges, that, those type of candidates? We do. At the statewide level, at this point, we research candidates for state Supreme Court, uh, Court of Criminal Appeals, whatever it's called in your state. We actually have some uh, law students and lawyers who help us reading their cases, um, looking at, uh, you know, how they've ruled. Are they more of an activist judge or are they more of a constitutionalist or a textualist or a originalist, whatever you want to call that? Are they going to enforce the Constitution? Or are they going to change it? And so we rate them the same way, but it's more of a, on a, a scale. Instead of liberal to conservative in the rating that we give to the judicial candidate, it's from originalist to um, activist. But it's, it's there as well as all the statewide races. And frequently, you know, who knows information about some of those statewide races. And then we are in, even in Florida going to cover some school board races this year because we've seen uh, the power and the importance of, of those people that elect that we elect to determine the curriculum. 
for our students? Is it going to be indoctrination or not? You know, you, you have DeSantis in Florida that, that's helped in that, but you still uh, need to be careful about who you give the powers over your schools. You know, it's so good to know that there is a resource like what you're talking about, because you're not going to get this kind of resource from just uh, doing a Google search. It's not going to necessarily yield uh, an answer that you can trust. But I, I am so grateful for AFA and uh, iVoter Guide and your work as president of that. Uh, and I know you're also vice president of American Family Association as well. So thank you for what you guys are doing. And, and this is such a great way to serve. And there's a lot of ways to find out about it. Again, you can go to the website, iVoterGuide.com. But there, you're also on some of the social media, too. You can find us on, on uh, Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, I would really strongly encourage, if you find this interesting to you, to sign up for our emails because we will then email you when we release the voter guide for your area, even if there's a special election in your, your area. So at iVoterGuide.com, look for a place to sign up with your email address. We'll also send you only once a week uh, some educational content, like what does the Bible say about parental rights or what does the Bible say about um uh, we all know what it means about life, but immigration and other topics like that. What is, you know, explaining more things to make you more educated on the ballot. And if you're interested in helping us rate candidates to be one of our volunteer panelists, you can do that at iVoterGuide.com as well by clicking on the ACT tab in the menu and then uh, applying to be a panelist. Well, Lots I'm praying that involved. many of our listeners will do just that because this is a year, is it not, that we need mm -hmm. to get involved in this process. That's right. Amen. We all need to be good stewards and, and participate and shine the light. Debbie, what now? thank you for being with me today and uh, joining us on the program and letting us know about this most valuable resource. It's the iVoterGuide.com website, and you can find out all this great information just in time for the elections that are, are really shaping the future for us. And, uh, boy, there's a big one coming up next week, and then South Carolina, Nevada after that. So it is going to be an interesting couple of weeks leading up to Super Tuesday, right? Amen. And, and I voted that it is nationwide, so you can share it with your friends and family across the nation. And Mike, just thanks for giving me the opportunity to tell people about this uh, about um, I voter guide. I'm so glad to have had you, Debbie, and we hope that uh, everyone will join in and check this site out. Again, that's iVoterGuide.com. That's all of our time. Debbie, thank you for being with us today, and friends, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on Afternoons with Mike. <music> 